At the time of this recording, the world is in the midst of a viral pandemic. Many people are afraid. Many people are in isolation, voluntary or otherwise. Some are sick or will become sick. And indeed, some are dying. In this special series of the Guru Viking podcast, I ask my guests how to work with fear, anxiety and panic. How to work with isolation. How to work with sickness and death and how to help others who are also having those experiences. Neither I nor my guests are medical professionals, and this podcast is not medical advice. Fear, sickness, and death are perennial human experiences, and it's my hope that these episodes will be of use not only to those who are being affected now by this situation, but also of use to others beyond it. Kuladasa, thank you very much for joining me for this special edition of the Guru Viking podcast. It's a pleasure to see you again and to be a part of your podcast. Thank you. So let's get to it. Many people are worried at this time and experiencing fear, panic. What would you say to someone who came to you and said, Kuladasa, I'm afraid, I'm panicking? I w- the first thing that I would say to, him, to them is, is uh, that's an appropriate reaction. Yes. You know, you, you, you've been designed by uh, uh, millions of years of evolution to uh, respond in that way to something that is uh, a perceived threat, and this is a very real threat. So uh, what you want to do is you, you, do, you, want to, uh, you want to recognize that to feel afraid is normal and not identify with it to the extent that it's going to actually make your situation worse. Um, there's one of there's a very interesting psychological phenomenon in situations like this, and that's that the anxiety builds, and it seems that there's a part of the subconscious mind that resists by um, trying to minimize the the danger uh no i i put that wrong to try to minimize the perceived danger by engaging in uh less careful activities than than are really wise now what we can expect in something like this if somebody came to me and said, I'm really afraid, I said, let's just work rationally through what are the things, the wisest things that you can do, what are the kinds of situations that might arise, how can you be prepared for them? And uh, then the next thing to do is to uh, remind yourself to to stick to that protocol and do anything that you can you will discover there's a tendency for example in in this if you're trying to if you're trying to stay in isolation and wait this out it's going to occur to you that um well it's, it's really worth taking a chance to do this or to do that and uh you have to watch out for that this is this is uh, there's, there's a name for the phenomenon that's uh, anxiety minimization phenomenon, right? So you experience the anxiety, 
and there's an unconscious internal process that wants to minimize the anxiety through minimizing the situation uh, behaviorally. So that's the, that's the first thing that I would talk to them after I reassured them that it's okay to be afraid. It's good to be afraid. It's healthy to be afraid, but don't let your fear take you over. Don't let your fear weaken your immune system. Don't let your fear make you behave foolishly. Now find what is a productive way that I can spend this time. If someone finds themselves trapped in fear, uh, they've perhaps done the, whatever practical preparations seem sensible and are available to them, and they're still um, afraid. Is there something, uh, some uh, practice or some strategy or some advice you'd have for somebody who found themselves afraid even after they'd prepared themselves as much as they could? Yes. Don't, don't resist the fear because that's only going to make it worse. Try as much as possible to accept that, yes, this, this emotion is here. But, uh, and you, you can, with any emotion, emotions manifest in our bodies. And one of the ways uh, that we can gain a certain degree of uh, influence over how those emotions affect us is to enter into as objective a state as possible with regard to uh, our relationship to our emotions. The emotions aren't the problem. It's our relationship to them. And if we allow them to take over, uh, then uh, fear has its own consequences, psychologically and physiologically. And I, I mentioned both of them just now. It's, it's going to sooner or later make you careless. And the other thing it's going to do is uh, it's going to put you in a state that is going to adversely affect your immune system and make you even more vulnerable. You want to be objective with fear. Like all emotions that manifest in the body, you can achieve an objectivity by examining how the fear makes you feel. And then look at the feelings in your body. How, how is your body reacting to this? When, uh, well, your heart rate will accelerate. Your respiration will change. Just observe those things objectively and notice that they're happening and try to try to achieve a, a state of acceptance with those okay i'm, I'm my heart's gonna gonna I, i'm gonna have thoughts about this and my heart's gonna start racing and if i start thinking oh no my heart's racing that, that i'm gonna have a heart attack or you know maybe that's an exaggeration but that's going the wrong direction. It's just like, ah, yeah, I think about these things and my heart races. Well, that's, that's normal because uh, um, instead of an invisible virus, what my body is geared to is uh, some predator. And uh, a good thing to do would, would be to increase the activity of my circulatory system so I'm ready to, to run away or, uh, or, or fight or whatever it is I need to do, right? So you just see, okay, this is normal. 
and uh, nobody's ever uh, actually died of fright. Uh, um, so uh, don't worry about it. But notice it. Be objective. With it. Accept it. Say, okay, I'm going to have this happen. Uh, the same thing with any of the other physical manifestations of fear, uh, many of which are common to everyone, but everyone is unique too. So it's just looking at yourself. What what is what is happening in my in my body, and in that way you objectify the fear. Um, there's something similar that happens in people that are subject to panic attacks, that they they will begin to have anxiety that they're going to have a panic attack. And that anxiety will ensure that they do have a panic attack. So you begin to feel fear and that fear can be self-accelerating in the same way. So the fear will actually become panicky, uh, a panic situation. And like I say, that's going to have a bad effect on your body and it's going to make you much more likely to do something that is going to put you at greater risk. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And, you know, people out there at the moment, some people are sick and some people will become sick. Yes. What would you say to someone who came to you and said, Kuladasa, I've been diagnosed with the sickness or I am indeed sick? Mm-hmm. Well, I've been, through, I've been through a lot of health crises myself. Fortunately, I have um, almost a lifetime of meditation practice to help me through these things. Not everyone has that. Now, to the degree that someone has, uh, you really want to rely on the skills that you have developed for, um, for just trying to maintain the healthiest possible mental state in dealing with this. Uh, not everyone has that. If you are sick, then uh, let's say you've, you've you've got a diagnosis of, of uh, uh, COVID-19 and uh, you'd have to be one of those rare lucky ones who where they were able to test for it directly. And unfortunately, it's, it's not very common. But let's say that, that um, you at least had a clinical diagnosis that was highly, uh, it was very strongly indicative that you are, have the COVID-19 infection uh, focus on everything that you can do to keep from spreading it to the people, to other people, especially uh, the people that are close to you. They mean the most to you. You, you, you don't want to spread it to them. Um, in other words, step outside yourself. Uh, have as much, the more trust and confidence that you have, that you will be able to, that your body, not you, your body will be able to overcome this, then the more likely it is that your body will be able to overcome this. But there's the body-mind connection. I, I doubt if there's anybody that hasn't heard about that. It's a very real thing. And it is one of the most powerful things that we have at our disposal. And so the more confidence that you have 
that you can deal with this. Now, of course, the way that confidence begins is with confidence that, okay, my, my body can overcome this illness, right? But the next thing, the, the, the worry and the anxiety and everything is going to be there. So the next thing that you move to is a confidence that I can deal with the symptoms. I can, you know, I, I can uh, experience what, whatever this brings upon me. I can experience this and I can allow it to happen and I can allow it to uh, work its course. Uh, be, re be reassured. You know, I've, I, I, I really am not sure what the best approach is for anyone who is either in seclusion uh, because they're at high risk the way I am, or that they already have a diagnosis, uh, what sources of information. You want to stay informed. On the other hand, uh, a large part of the information that we've received has turned out to be inaccurate. Um, I'm not sure what your experience in the UK is, but here we believed that... Uh, uh, I say we believed that there was this sort of uh, collective mindset of the U.S. was that Italy was virtually like a war zone, and and people were dying right and left, and and people were being turned away from hospitals and things like that. Um, more recently, more accurate information has come out, and that is not true. They have really struggled. Uh, their facilities have been overloaded. The healthcare professionals involved have been, uh, they've been absolutely heroic in the things that they've done. But it wasn't nearly as bad, uh, it wasn't nearly as horrific as uh, people have been told. Um, the death rate, um, the more information we get, the more it appears that people will get this virus and it'll be asymptomatic, or they'll get it and the symptoms will be so mild that they don't recognize anything, or at most they'll think they have a cold and it's gone away and they have immunity. So, so even the death, on the one hand, I don't want to encourage people to underestimate the seriousness of this because it is a more deadly virus than the flu. But on the other hand, as we learn more about it, the, the mortality figures are actually moving in a positive direction that it, the, uh, now there are people, there are people like myself because of my age, the damage to my lungs from stage four lung cancer and the treatment with radiation and you want and on, that I'm at very high risk. But even there, uh, 
that doesn't that because I'm at high risk doesn't mean if I get COVID virus, uh, I'm going to die, right? People should stay informed without allowing themselves to get uh, caught up in, you know, the chicken little, the sky is falling, you know, uh, exaggerated versions of how bad things are. What people really need to do is they, they need to understand the facts about the virus. Um, you know, where, where I live, you cannot buy a bottle of hand sanitizer or a bottle of uh, alcohol for sterilization. Uh, well, except for people, who, a few people who are hoarding them and selling them at ridiculous prices, you know. But the fact is, ordinary soap and water is actually more effective, or at least as effective. But uh, in truth, it's more effective because uh, if you're using alcohol and things like that, you probably aren't going to use, you're not going to be as thorough in your coverage uh, of the contact areas. Um, other things that people need to know uh, about the way the virus is transmitted. If you are of necessity exposed to someone else who may or may not have the virus, and you need to know that, uh, that during the period when uh, a person is most infectious, they don't have any symptoms. Now, if you wear a mask, that's not going to protect you because it's not primarily transmitted as uh, airborne particles. It's a really sticky virus. It sticks to surfaces. Now, the way that it leaves an infected person's body is when they cough or sneeze or uh, you're standing too close to them when they speak and micro droplets of saliva are... are now, those are going to land on, on your clothes, uh, your skin, and things like that, if you're very close to them. All you need to do is maintain a distance, and you don't have to worry about that part at all. But what you have to worry about is this virus, they're not sure how long it lives uh, on surfaces. Uh, more information is coming in all of the time. But it seems that it, it can live anywhere from a few hours to... Uh, more than a week. So the thing to concentrate on is the virus which sticks to surfaces. You know, somebody that has the virus, they have it on their hands, they put their hands on the arm of a chair, you come and sit on that chair, and the virus is stuck to the arm of the chair, now you put your hand on it, some of the virus sticks to your hand, and then you touch your face, your nose, something like that. Now you've carried the virus to a part of your body where it can be transmitted. So um, know if you understand how the virus works, how it's transmitted, then you know there's no point in you wearing a mask, but if you can get hold of some masks, anybody that comes to visit you, have them wear a mask, right? And then just make sure surfaces are, are as clean as you can. And 
wash your hands and things like that. The more, the more a person engages in activities like that, the more conscious they become and the more conscientious they become, the less room there will be for them to be overcome by fear. Uh, as I'm sure you know yourself, nothing is more conducive to fear than the feeling of helplessness, of not being able to do something. So inform yourself and do the things that you can do. That's going to help mitigate your fear. Okay. And there are some people out there who are facing uh, death or are dying. Well, if someone was to come to you and say, Kuladasa, uh, I think I'm dying, or actually, I am dying, what would you say to them? I, I <laughs> the, You should be asking that person of somebody who uh, is uh, working in hospice care on a regular basis, because they have a kind of expertise that I don't. Another way of saying that, what, from a meditation point of view, can be done at that point? What you want to do, you know, I, I, I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record here, is cultivate acceptance. Uh, yes, you know, just you, you, are, you are dying. And uh, if you have a meditative practice, and uh, of course, uh, your emotions are going to make you very distractible and you're probably not going to be as effective a meditator as you normally would. But you still, your meditation practice will, will help you. And so to the degree that you can meditate, to the degree that you can't close your eyes and do whatever sort of practice that you ordinarily do, still try to bring that kind of mindfulness and present moment awareness as you can uh, just you know uh, your goal is to come to a place of acceptance uh, death is inevitable for all of us and everyone is going to go through this if this is your time then uh, acceptance is is your greatest ally and Anything that you can do that will help you come to a place of acceptance of your impending death will make your death easier. I it would seem to me, like I say, I, you, you should talk to somebody who's an expert in hospice care about this, but it would seem to me, and, and I did sit beside my mother's bed as she died. The best thing is just to have people that you care about and that care about you nearby. We die alone, but we don't need to be alone until that final moment. And the other thing to this kind of comes natural to me after all these years, and it's hard for me to know just how to communicate it in, uh, uh, on a, quickly to somebody who doesn't have that background. But 
I see death as uh, it's 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 a part of life. It's 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 just part of the continuous process. And um, uh, I've approached death a number of times, and I found I approach it with curiosity and and interest. Well, I want. This is the next stage in the adventure of my life, and I want to be present for it. I want to know what it's like. I want to experience it. I'll only experience it once, um, and uh, I want to be there for it. I don't want to be lost in some. Uh, uh, I don't want to be drugged up. I don't want to be lost in fear and other emotions. Uh, I want to be present for it. I I would probably, you know, if if I were the one providing the counseling, I would in terms of what I would say and the comfort that uh, I would provide. In the people that I have been close to that have died, I know that one of the things that has been very important to them is to uh, is to acknowledge the things that they've done in their lives that they regret. Um, this is, in in my experience, uh, this has always been one of the things that has has come up, and to to do that, but to 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 do that in as positive a way as as you can is important. I would say once again, don't resist any of the things that does come up with that. You are going to miss the people that you love, uh, or at least that's what the way you're going to feel. Uh, who who knows what happens after death and if if it really is the end then there's going to be nobody there to miss anybody they're going to miss you um if you find yourself uh, as a dying person concerned about the people that you are leaving behind then do that with love and uh Try to set aside your own uh, sense of loss. Um, I don't know what else to really say about that, except that death is inevitable. We are all going to die. And uh, what, whatever, whatever that means, uh, embrace it as fully as you can every aspect of it, um, the fear, but don't be taken over by the fear, the regret and remorse, but don't, but don't, don't allow that regret and remorse to be something that, that uh, contributes further to your suffering. Rather, you know, uh, confess, forgive, um, uh, Send, send that regret and remorse out to the universe and hope that it somehow makes a difference to whatever you've done. Um, 
accept everything that comes up, but don't let it take you over. Thank you. And the last question. Hey, people are limiting their social contact and they're isolated, whether they're voluntarily self-isolating or they're required to be isolated for some reason or another. Um, what advice do you have to somebody who finds themselves in a period of extended seclusion? I, I, I would advise them to um, uh, stay in as much contact via things like uh, uh, cell phone, uh, FaceTime, uh, what we're doing right now, this is a Zoom call or you could do a Skype session or things like that. Uh, you don't need, that's one of the wonderful things about this modern era is that you can be in seclusion, but you don't have to be alone. And I would encourage people uh, at the beginning of their seclusion to begin contacting people that they would like to uh, uh, be in ongoing contact with. Make sure it's, it's okay with them. Make sure they're available. Find out when they're available. And uh, uh, you, you, you don't need to be alone. In the time that you are alone, uh, if you have any kind of spiritual practice at all, that's the time to engage in that spiritual practice. Um, I know some people who uh, have made plans for what they're going to do in their period of seclusion, uh, and mostly it takes the form of trying to take the greatest possible advantage of the seclusion, of the lack of interruption by, by other people because they can't go out and take care of all of these errands. It's like, it can be like having a weight lifted off. You know, you don't have to worry about that for the time being. So. Thank you, Kulanasa. Do you have any final comments on, on this topic before we wrap it up? The only thing that ever gets us through any anything like this and ever has whether it's war uh hurricanes or typhoons uh epidemics or anything else love you know uh in uh, i don't know i guess it's close to um or around 50 years of spiritual practice Everything comes down to love. Just find all of the love that you can and express it, feel it, be it in every possible way. Um, if, you, if you have COVID, love the COVID. You may not understand why this, why this had to happen. Um, you know, uh, why this virus came into existence. You don't have to. Just trust that there is something much, much greater than you. You don't have to believe in a God as such to recognize that there's this huge unfolding taking place that we're all a part of. We look at the history of it and out of nothing but 
pure energy came uh, galaxies and suns and planets and planets that could that life could develop out and life has developed the whole the totality of everything is moving in a particular direction and if you examine what is the most common underlying feature of all of that it's going to come down to something as simple as love uh, you know when the first particles formed after the Big Bang. They fell in love with each other and electrons and protons joined together and we had hydrogen atoms and they were doing the dance of love and the hydrogen atoms got together with oxygen atoms and you, you had water molecules doing the dance of love. And this has led to absolutely everything else. Just find the love and live in the space of love die in the space of love that is the one single thing that uh, is the essence of, of absolutely everything that's what 50 years of spiritual practice has taught me wonderful Kuladasa, thank you very much uh, well thank you and it's lovely to talk to you again thank you for listening to this special edition of the Guru Viking podcast for more information and more episodes in this series, visit www.guruviking.com.